Hey everyone, welcome back to all my listeners. Now, I hope everyone had an incredible Christmas filled with family and friends, and I hope Santa was good to all of you. Now, I know the Omicron variant is crazy. It's ravaging the U.S. with so many of our hospital beds and ICUs filled to capacity. This is simply a never-ending nightmare. Now, flights were also canceled left, right, and center during Christmas, but I hope you did find some time to just find some peace and serenity, despite the hullabaloo that exists worldwide. So, this marks my last episode of season four, my last episode of the old 2021. 2022 is just a few days away, and I know I'm grateful to all of my listeners and your continued unwavering support. So thanks to all of you, my loyal listeners. And thank you for tuning in week after week, or if you're simply binge listening and trying to catch up on season four. Know I appreciate you because it's you that continue to allow me to keep on going, to keep developing this valuable content as I continue to grow my podcast for this space of healthcare. Now, I hope you're all having a great day so far, and if it's your first time finding me, thanks so much, and welcome. Welcome to episode 18 of my fourth season. Today is Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. My name is Sonal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, all right, guys, I've got a lot to get into today, so I'll be diving into my compliance tip today on getting back to basics with how to protect your practice. And hey, hey, it's my favorite month-end episode where I discuss highlights from the month of December's criminal and civil enforcement cases involving fraud, waste, and abuse. And I go ahead and round out today's episode with a remarkable quote on illumination from our 35th president, John F. Kennedy. If you check me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and kindly drop me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. And as always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I am bringing you the news, current healthcare industry news, my compliance tips and recommendations based on my over 10 years of experience in front office, back end, coding, and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance, and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. So let's get into newsworthy, the month's fraud, waste, and abuse cases. 
The month of December saw a whopping 42 cases as of the recording of this episode. Early December saw a hospice operating in multiple states agreeing to pay $5.5 million to resolve allegations that they violated the False Claims Act by submitting claims to Medicare for non-covered hospice services. This settlement resolves allegations that the hospice knowingly submitted false claims to Medicare for hospice services for patients who were not terminally ill. According to the settlement agreement, the United States alleged that from January 1st of 2012 through December 31st of 2014, the hospice billed Medicare for hospice care for certain patients with the diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's disease at its multiple state locations who were not terminally ill for at least a portion of the more than three years that the patients received care at these locations. Early December also saw a case involving a pathology practice who had agreed to pay $2.4 million to resolve False Claims Act allegations. This pathology practice submitted claims to Medicare under current procedural terminology, that's our CPT codes, 85390 with modifier 26 appended from January 1st of 2015 through December 31st of 2020. Now, by definition, this particular CPT code requires written analysis by a pathologist, but the pathology practice submitted claims using this code without written support and evidence in medical records. As a result, the pathology practice billed Medicare for analysis of tests that did not require analysis, causing Medicare to significantly overpay. Now, alongside the civil settlement, this pathology practice also entered into a three-year integrity agreement with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General. That's, of course, the HHS OIG, which requires, among other things, training, auditing, and monitoring, which is designed to address the conduct at issue in the case, as well as evolving compliance risks on an ongoing basis. Now, mid-December saw a vascular surgeon who settled his case for alleged healthcare fraud claims for $3.7 million regarding allegations that he performed medically unnecessary surgeries based on improper techniques and then submitted fraudulent claims for payment to federal health care programs. Now, the U.S.'s complaint includes details that the surgeon and his staff allegedly used improper techniques to conduct and analyze ultrasounds and allegedly used false ultrasound findings to conduct and bill for medically unreasonable and unnecessary services related to the diagnosis and the treatment of venous reflux disease and varicose veins. The government contends that the surgeon submitted false claims to the Medicare and Medicaid programs, the TRICARE program, as well as the CHAMP VA program. Now, of course, there were also many, many of the usual suspects that we see from month to month, like more opioids distributors, overprescribing, kickbacks, bribery schemes, scary and very sad adult abuse cases, fraudulent DME billing, money laundering, and telemedicine marketing fraudster cases. But 
I'd like to highlight a few cases involving more COVID-19 schemes and more news on PSTEM devices. Let's start with PSTEM. First, there was a medical sales representative who agreed to settle allegations regarding neurostimulator devices in the amount of $100,000. Now, from January 1st of 2017 to December 31st of 2019, this medical sales rep allegedly sold ANSI STEM and primary relief devices to various medical providers. Now, the ANSI STEM and primary relief devices are used for electroacupuncture. Now, let's remember, this only involves inserting needles onto patients' ears with the neurostimulator taped behind the ears with an adhesive. However, the medical sales rep's customers falsely billed Medicare for the surgical implantation of neurostimulator electrodes. Now, these are invasive procedures usually requiring the use of an operating room for which Medicare pays thousands of dollars. This medical sales rep allegedly knew his customers would bill Medicare in this fashion and therefore assisted in causing the submission of false claims according to the allegations. Now, second, there was a case involving a physician who has agreed to pay $375,000 to resolve False Claims Act allegations of P-STEM device fraud. Now, the United States alleges that over a one-year period, this physician billed Medicare over $900,000 for non-reimbursable acupuncture devices that were not surgically implanted, despite using billing codes indicating that they were. The settlement agreement includes details that from July 2018 to August 2019, the physician allegedly routinely presented or caused to be presented false claims to Medicare using CPT code L8680, which is defined as implantable neurostimulator pulse generator, and or the use of CPT code 64555, which is roughly defined as implantation of peripheral nerve neurostimulator electrodes accessed through the skin. And this particular physician received $179,106.72 from Medicare, to which he and his clinic were not entitled. Now, let's remember that PSTEM is, again, an electroacupuncture device that, pursuant to manufacturer's instructions, is affixed behind a patient's ear using an adhesive. Needles are inserted onto the patient's ear and affixed using another adhesive. Once activated, the device then provides intermittent stimulation by electrical pulses. It is a single-use, battery-powered device designed to be worn for approximately four days until its battery runs out, at which time the device is thrown away. Now, Medicare does not reimburse for such acupuncture devices, nor did the physician perform surgical implantation of these devices as he billed them to Medicare. Now, other brand names for this device include Stivax, Neurostim, AnsiStim, ePulse, and NSS2 Bridge. Now, let's move on to the COVID-19 schemes. There are two cases involving fake vaccination cards. 
First, there has been a federal indictment returned against a nursing director for producing fraudulent COVID-19 vaccine cards and lying to federal investigators. The indictment alleges that the nursing director worked at a skilled nursing and rehabilitation center and produced fraudulent vaccine cards on June 20th of 2021 and then again on July 28th of 2021. The indictment alleges this nursing director had personally filled out vaccine cards for individuals she knew had not received a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, the attack, the excuse me, the acting U.S. attorney on the case has stated, quote, although the indictment speaks for itself, creating fraudulent or fake vaccine cards for those who have not been vaccinated poses a direct threat to the health of the people of South Carolina, end quote. Second, the next case involves a man facing federal charges for selling fraudulent COVID-19 vaccination cards and distributing them through a mail service. Now, according to this criminal complaint, since June 2021, this man allegedly purchased over 600 fraudulent COVID-19 vaccination cards through a foreign online marketplace and had the cards illegally shipped into the U.S. Once the man received the fake vaccination cards, he advertised them for sale on social media platforms and distributed them through UPS. Now, under normal circumstances, COVID-19 vaccination cards are distributed by authorized healthcare providers to vaccine recipients at the time the recipient receives a COVID-19 vaccine. And as stated in the criminal complaint, since the beginning of August 2021, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection CBP officers have seized thousands of fraudulent COVID-19 vaccination cards at international mail facilities and at express consignment carrier facilities. The majority of seized shipments contain fraudulent COVID-19 vaccination cards originating from Asia, and the packages are commonly found to be falsely labeled. Also stated in the criminal complaint on July 10th of 2021, after the shipment was delivered, this man posted a video of multiple fraudulent vaccination cards on two of his, on two of his own social media accounts with the caption, quote, COVID-19 vaccination card, who wants one? $75 a pop, end quote. All right. Wow. Right. So this month of December to date has seen some pretty hefty enforcement actions once again, despite the jolly holiday season. Now, you know, I've discussed P-STEM devices in so many previous episodes, and I can only hope we are getting closer to ending this type of erroneous coding and erroneous billing practices for non-covered, non-reimbursable electroacupuncture devices. And I know for those of us in the healthcare space, we know that our vaccination cards are legal and valid and authentic and issued by our vaccine administrators. But these recent fake cards and other COVID-19 fraud schemes are all over the place, right? As I've highlighted here on my podcast, but these are also schemes found on my favorite TV shows like Law and Order, Organized Crime, and Chicago Met. 
I do my very best each and every month trying to highlight those cases I find most interesting. I try my best to provide solid guidance and solid advice to providers to be mindful of correct coding and compliant billing practices to avoid joining these very serious, these very public, and often very hefty outcomes. I always believe these types of fraud, waste, and abuse cases are most helpful. So take a deeper look into these reports and see how they may affect you, your provider, your facility. Start self-auditing your service claims and coordinating documentation to ensure you are meeting compliance. And now, it's time for my best practice tips in trusty tip. So in today's new back to basics compliance tip, I wanted to focus on protecting your practice. I thought this was a very fitting back to basics for my month end episode and keep it all in the fraud, waste and abuse family, so to speak. Now, Medicare, CMS tells us again and again in their manuals and publications and articles that, quote, you play a vital role in protecting the integrity of the Medicare program. To combat fraud and abuse, you must know how to protect your organization from engaging in abusive practices and violations of civil or criminal laws, end quote. Now, CMS provides so many tools for providers in a January 2021 booklet that shows them how to help protect the Medicare program, their patients, as well as themselves. I wanted to go over some basics, some basic facts. In my mind, these are huge and eye-opening and always good to keep and hold front and center. Quote, anyone can commit healthcare fraud. Fraud schemes range from solo ventures to widespread activities by an institution or group. Even organized crime groups infiltrate the Medicare program and operate as Medicare providers and suppliers. Examples of Medicare fraud include, number one, knowingly billing for services at a high level of complexity compared to the services actually provided or documented in the medical records. Second, knowingly billing for services not furnished, supplies not provided, or both, including falsifying records to show delivery of such items. Third, knowingly ordering medically unnecessary items or services for patients. Fourth, paying for referrals of federal health care program beneficiaries. And finally, fifth, billing Medicare for appointments patients fail to keep, end quote. So what can you do to protect your practice? First, I think you should always ensure you have accurate coding and accurate billing. Remember, the booklet states, quote, you are filing a bill with the federal government and certifying you earned the payment requested and complied with the billing requirements. If you knew or should have known the submitted claim was false, then the attempt to collect payment is illegal. Examples of improper claims include, number one, billing codes that reflect a more severe illness than actually existed or a more expensive treatment than was provided. Second, billing medically unnecessary services. Third, billing services not provided. Fourth, billing services performed by an improperly supervised 
or unqualified employee. Fifth, billing services performed by an employee excluded from participation in the federal health care programs. Sixth, billing services of such low quality that they're virtually worthless. And finally, seventh, billing separately for services already included in a global fee, like billing and evaluation and management service the day after surgery, end quote. Now, second, you should always ensure physician documentation is up to snuff. Remember, this booklet states, quote, maintain accurate and complete medical records and documentation of the services you provide. You should be ensuring your documentation supports the claims you submit for payment. Good documentation practices help to ensure your patients get appropriate care and allow other providers to rely on your records for patients' medical histories. The Medicare program may review beneficiaries' medical records. Good documentation helps address any challenges raised about the integrity of your claims. You may have heard the saying regarding malpractice litigation. If you didn't document it, it's the same as if you didn't do it. The same can be said for Medicare billing, end quote. All right. Exactly right. Exactly that phrase is well-worn in the certified coding world as well. If it's not documented, a certified medical coder cannot code it. I think this is such an integral back-to-basics that focuses keenly on exactly what valuable information I try and provide week after week. I know I've discussed so many of these billing violations addressed in this section, right? Whether it's here on my podcast, or in articles I write, or on my LinkedIn posts. But I hope this back-to-basics on what is exactly and what is precisely identified as fraud, waste, and abuse in the Prevent, Detect, and Report booklet has proved to be important. It's fundamental if you have Medicare as a payer to keep your eye on correct and compliant coding and billing practices and make sure you are adhering to them all. It's vital to capture full and robust documentation to ensure you are meeting the medical necessity from the very start. Because when the documentation paints the medical picture with clarity and vibrancy from the onset of care, a certified medical coder can then abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from JFK. We are not here to curse the darkness, but to light the candle that can guide us through the darkness to a safe and sane future. So very true, right? I think this is a perfect quote that reminds us, inspires us on the importance of illumination. This quote is so appropriate for today's times, right? John F. Kennedy's wise words remind us about the importance of bravery. It's only with the strength and resolve of so many that we are walking through our new world filled with coronavirus. We are learning once again to be brave, to adapt to our new environments. We continue shining a light, our own light, to help guide us through all the dark and turbulent times. 
I am happy JFK's spark still burns brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. I'm looking forward to all the possibilities the new year ahead has in store. As always, I appreciate you diving into today with me. And if you want more information from me, please go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy. Thank you for listening in on today's episode. And I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you in the new year. See you next Wednesday. I'm not afraid to